This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net and Avoid the Maze. And today I have a guest coming from, as they say, across the sea. Um, here I am in the United States and Ken Kelling is in England. And, you know, I have to tell you, Ken, when I think of England, um, I just picture the queen. I know that she has <laughs> since passed away, but I still picture Queen Elizabeth, you know, residing over everyone there. And I know things have changed quite a bit in England, even before she passed, but quite a bit since. But I've also noticed that we all have so much in common. And we think that just because we're from different countries, different cultures, um, you know, we're going to be vastly different. But as I've read your bio, there were so many things in there that said, yeah, like I know Ken. I may not know you, but I know someone like you, similar to you, and going through the journey that you have. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got from A to maybe M in the alphabet. Okay. Okay. Well, first of all, I was laughing about your association. Um and it's you know it's a it's a it's a valid one because you know the the royal family in the UK is is you know hugely well known, um, but of course you know we we always laugh as I guess you would as well when you see kind of you know representations in film and TV and you know if you get f uh, films like Love Actually the Richard Curtis film and all these kinds of things. You, you would think that all people in England, we kind of, you know, we have tea with the Queen and, and we we shop in Burlington Arcade <laughs> and, you know, every, everything stops for high tea at four o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> um, which, of course, doesn't happen. Um, you know, life life is a good deal different. So, um, you know, there, there are there are these stereotypes out there, but... Sure. Um, I think when you were talking about the sort of you know things in common, um, you know, often often it is something like humor, isn't it? That's um, that can translate across different cultures and different countries. Um, what else? You know, emotions, sadness, um, joy. You know, all these things are you know part of the human spirit. And you know, if if we are unified by anything, perhaps it's it's all those things. Um, Anyway, that was that was just before I started um, my my journey. So um, so my career started off in communications and public relations. Okay. Uh, so that was a, a bit of um, a bit of media, a bit of politics, a bit of campaigning. Um, you know, I was keen to kind of make the world a better place from a relatively young age. Um, that's that's with the values that I was brought up with um, by my parents. You know, was to do good, and um, so you know that, that's what I wanted to do initially. I guess was was work um, on uh, social issues, um, trying to make a, a difference to the world. Um, but as you and everybody listening will know, um, you know, organisations and um, Working isn't always as rosy as it uh, as you think it might be. Even right. even even within you know charities or um, whatever else, because you know once human beings come together, you know stuff happens. Um, so you know it wasn't. I didn't feel it was the kind of thing that I 
always wanted to do forever. Um, and uh, I knew that I was never going to be a, a politician for sure. Um, but I still had this kind of feeling that um, I wanted to make a difference. Um, the last kind of, I, I did that for about 25 years, kind of working in uh, communications and yeah. PR. Um, the, the very last job that I worked on in a traditional nine to five way um, was the Olympic Games in London in 2012. So we, we hosted the Olympic Games here, which was great. And I worked on the Olympic torch relay, which was all about the Olympic torch going around the country. Um, and that was a great job, really amazing job to work on. Um, we wanted to celebrate local people, community heroes, people sure. who were at grassroots who didn't always get recognized. So um, that's who we wanted to run around with the with the flame and um, to be recognized. Um so that that was great, but of course, when you finish a job like that, you you basically stop, and the Olympics rolls on to uh, Brazil, I think it was after that, and goes around the world. And so I thought, right, what do I do now? And I took some time out, and I still had this kind of sense of of wanting to do something to make people happier, to make sure. people uh, uh, to make a difference, as you're show is all about um but i didn't know what that was but i knew i was a good listener and i'd heard of this thing called coaching and i thought well that might be for me so i'll go and look into that and then that began a, a journey of about eight or ten years or so of becoming a coach being trained as a coach finding out what that was and then finding clients to work with um and just really understanding how um, how lasting change can come from within us. It can come from within ourselves if we're allowed the space and the opportunity um, to find our own answers and to have some help in doing that. So that's what that's what drew me to coaching. Um, and I now um, have my own coaching business, which we'll probably go on to talk about a little. Um, but I also train and mentor other coaches as well. Um, in fact, this morning I was doing a three-hour webinar all about introducing people to coaching who are thinking of becoming a coach. What does it mean? What is coaching? How does it help people? Um, that kind of thing. Um, so that's my that's my life now. Um, I love it. Is, is around that, and you know, I, I specialize now in this relatively new thing called retirement coaching which is probably what we're going to talk about a little bit today and i'm really interested in that because i don't know about in the uk but here in the united states when i was growing up and um you know i grew up in the 50s and 60s everyone want couldn't wait to retire and yeah. it was like well that's wonderful look at you you get to sit on the porch and rock in your chair you get to go to the fishing hole or you play golf um and my father was forced into retirement because of his health and he always had a hobby but he created more hobbies to keep mm. himself busy because he said what am i going to do if i sit in a chair and watch tv i'm going to fall asleep and i don't have a lot of money to go 
you know, playing golf every day or traveling. And so he found his niche and I didn't understand it back then as much as I do today, because I too was forced into retirement about 12 years ago. Uh -huh. And I came home very depressed, like, now what? I loved my job, but hated the culture. Yeah. And it was like, wait a second, I know what I've always wanted to do. I wanted to be in communications. That's my degree. How can I use it? And I now believe that retirement is just a word. It means that we're going to change things up a little bit. So tell me what really got you into retirement coaching, because yeah. most people sit back and go, oh, they've already lived their life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's 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 so much in what you what you say that I that I recognize. So um, I, I guess I'll answer the, the question with me personally, but also some wider observations, I think, because um the short answer to me personally was was me approaching my 60th birthday um and in my late 50s starting to think about retirement or semi-retirement what does that mean but also starting to look at you know how are people experiencing that as an event and how, how are we thinking about this and the one thing that i could see and this is i think our, one of our biggest challenges is that we tend to see retirement as a financial event and 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 that is what is sold to us you know it's right. it's all exactly as you say it's about you know working really hard getting enough money and then all you need to do is sit on the porch go and play golf do whatever and you know for two or three kind of generations we've sort of had this idea it's like work 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 stop yeah and and that you know that's a collision for people. That's like, bang, you know. Um, particularly where you know we're living longer, and we are living healthy lives for longer. So you know if we have twenty, thirty, maybe even forty more years of life, you know it's like you said, what do I do now? Right. And because we've been kind of sold this idea that. You know, it's all about, as somebody described it to me, you know, having a beer on the beach and, you know, doing nothing. Well, that's going to drive us mad, isn't it, yeah. really? It's going to drive us crazy. So I think the attitude to what this event is, is changing. And, you know, I think it's it's being questioned. I would get rid of that word altogether because it's, I think it's too loaded. Retire. I think it for many of us, it means stop working. Right. And that's a big shock because like you say, people, even if they don't miss their company, they, they miss their colleagues or they miss the conversation. They miss the chat. They miss the identity or the role that someone might've had. Um, so I, I, I find this stuff really fascinating because, you know, for, for me, it's, I'm going through this as well. You know, I, I do want to work less for sure. Um, and I do think that's, you know, it's a time of life to think about that. But I'm not, you know, I'm really fit. I'm really healthy. I'm, I've got lots of energy. I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit and watch 
daytime TV all day. Right. Um, but what I found is that there's very little kind of planning or help or support or indeed what I call a roadmap for people to make this transition. And, and it can be quite a transition. I read in one survey that retirement was considered the 10th most stressful event of life. I can believe it, yeah. Yeah, for, the, for, the, for these reasons. And yet all we talk about is money. All we talk about is pension. All we talk about is having enough money for retirement. So because we're so focused on that, we don't think about, you know, what, what mindset do I need? What's going to be my purpose? What's How am I going to get my connections now? How am I going to keep my connections and my vitality? And very few of us think about that until it's smacking us in the face. Exactly. You know, I grew up with um, seeing my father's mother work late into her, her 60s, and she had health issues, mm. but she um, worked at a restaurant. She, I think she was the hostess there, and um, she'd leave every day like at four o'clock, go to work in the evening, come home late at night, and she had so much vitality, even though during the day she may have felt sickly. There was something about that four o'clock. Okay, I can't feel sick because I'm going to be with people. I'm going to be doing all these fun things. And I know when she had to physically stop working, it was just taking a toll on her. She wasn't the cook at home. That was my grandfather. She wasn't the baker. And she finds herself sitting in a chair yeah. and every twin she had, she thought she was having a heart attack. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, she lived in a different city than us. And I cannot tell you how many times my parents packed up the car and we would drive because, you know, this is grandma's, you know, last breath. But living through that, something clicked back then and it was like I don't want to just go sit on a chair now there are some days yeah I just want to sit on the chair yeah me too but I want at the end of the day when I put my head on my pillow I want to say hey this is what I did today yeah and it's not how many Netflix movies I've watched you know yeah. um the sad part I don't know what it's like in in England but here you get to a certain age and even if you want to take a part-time job, you're very limited, no matter what your skills are. Are yeah. you seeing the same thing going on there as well? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, what's happened in the last few years, I think um, there's been a real growth. And, and I think I think it is led by, it's a, it's a terrible name, but let, let's use it, um, you know, a generation of baby boomers, as, as they get referred to. Yeah. Um, and as as that generation becomes older, you know, they're assertive <laughs> and, and they're, they're not they're not prepared to kind of just sit down in a chair right. and, and nothing. You know, these are these are very active, very um, successful people. So, um, you know, th there's a drive, I think, to um, uh, to combat some of these ideas that simply because you reach a certain age that you become passive and, you know, you don't. Do anything anymore 
so so there's very much a kind of a, a surge and i see it i see it in the states actually and i see it here of people thinking no i'm not going to be defined by my number i'm going to do whatever i want to do um and at the, at the same time and particularly here there are quite a few um campaigns to uh combat ageism in the workplace and what's been interesting in the last few years uh, with covid is that this has really come to the foreground because um when covid was at its worst economically the first people to be made redundant or to be let go in companies tended to be those who were 50 plus right so they might be offered or take voluntary redundancy for example um so what we saw was you know quite a few people dropping out of the employment market because of their that age that they were at and when um when covid was over and, and they were starting to um, look at economic recovery here they, they didn't really know where all those people had gone <laughs> yeah. and 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 suddenly they needed a lot more of these people back in the workplace because actually they realized do you know what <laughs> we need a workforce and we need an experienced workforce so all of a sudden we started seeing um very specific uh advertising campaigns for people aged over 50 about coming back to work and coming back into the workplace and alongside that i think the um the kind of um awareness of, of ageism or potential ageism has really hit the spotlight at the same time so you're getting very very kind of um assertive um groups of people who are both um encouraging people back into the workplace um and providing all sorts of information and opportunities about that um but also a sort of i think it's an assertiveness it's like hey you know i'm i'm not dead in the water <laughs> you know i'm i can still got a contribution to make yes. um, and and it's it's the one it's the one sort of ism you know ageism i think that we're still probably not acknowledging in the way that we um we could do um and i i i tackled this the other day because um i don't know are you a fan of elton john at all you know you like elton john no i do absolutely yeah so he so he played at he played at glastonbury last year the big festival he was the headliner and it was you know sure. it, was, it was a big it was a big deal because he's 70 whatever 75 78 and this was one of his kind of you know last tour things sure and it was it was great he had an amazing concert he was fantastic but i did see on social media i did see these little ageist kind of comments and and i did and i was replying to them saying you know if this was about gender or if this was about race or something would you still be saying those same things because you know it they it demonstrates a, a bias um and i i think it's the one it's the well one of the kind of biases that we still have i think that is still hasn't quite come to the fore yet i think as as something that we need to tackle um 
and, and part of this is sometimes our own inner ageist, I called it, because sometimes right. we can say to ourselves, can't we? Oh, I'm too old for this or I'm too old for that. So, you know, we can be our own ageist critic sometimes Absolutely. by telling ourselves, like, you know, I'm too old for this. What rubbish. What nonsense, you know? Look at, look yeah, at you, learned, you're running a podcast, yeah. you're doing all sorts of things, you've gone back to communication, you know, it's just about what we tell ourselves. And, exactly. Well, yeah. and again, I think the younger generations and millennials understand this much better than the baby boomers do, yeah. okay? Um, and the baby boomers, I think, were fighting it, but we didn't start fighting it till we got faced with it. We didn't see it coming up um when i decided to start coaching last spring i had friends and relatives say to me why are you taking on one more thing and i said because i love it because yeah. it energizes me and it helps me become a better person yeah and they looked at me like you know but you know you're 73 going on 74 and i said so what difference does it make my mother yeah. was 96 and a half years old had her brain intact until she had a stroke nobody said she was too old to do anything and my mother yeah. had a voice on her and i loved yeah. it because yeah. it was like don't tell me i can't do something yeah. Now, there were certain things that she knew she was limited to as she got older, but then yeah. she found other things that she could still do and do well. Yeah. So I have a feeling that's something that you also discuss with your clients because, you know, I've had two arm injuries. And so I don't have the range of motion that I really want in my arms, but it doesn't stop me from doing things. I find yeah. other ways to get around it. Yeah. So it's not because of my age. It's because of an injury that I had many, many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And and there is now a, a huge body of evidence and research that will um, absolutely show that the attitude that you have and your mindset that you have has a direct impact on your health and how long you will live. There's no, there's no doubt about that, 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 a, that a positive mindset, one that um, still feels energized, fulfilled, feel that we have a meaning and a, and a purpose in life, we will live longer. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So it's, it's not just about the frailties of our you know, physiology. It's about how we deal with them, like you're saying, and how you respond and react to them um but I, I think just to take an example of someone i was having a conversation with um about staying engaged and staying engaged with work um this is a client who's a very successful lawyer and he's i think he's retired a couple of times <laughs> um but he keeps coming back sure um, and but what what the, the challenge that, that he and others have um, is one of um, their own perception. How will they be perceived? Because he he doesn't want to be seen as what he calls yesterday's man Got or you know, the ghost of Christmas past or or something something yeah. like that. 
Um, so he's worried about if he's still you know, involved in work, how will he be seen? But he's equally still so passionate about what he does that he really wants to stay engaged, but perhaps this time on his own terms. And I, I think it's just illustrative of, of where our thinking gets to. Because like I say, we can be a little bit ageist to ourselves. And he's he's 74 and he's just written a 12,000 word article. And I'm like, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. You know, so he's he's staying engaged in work but maybe now it's in a different way and it's on his own terms because God knows he deserves it and he's built a career that should allow him to do it on his own terms. I like using the word that we are evolving rather than aging because some of the things that I do today, I never thought I would do or would do well um, because of my mindset when I was younger. Mm. And now I look at it as, what do I really have to lose? I don't have a lot to lose. I have a lot to gain. And uh, I discuss it with my husband a lot because I have many, many interests. He has very few. But he knows working full time is so important for him because yeah. those eight hours at work, He's using his brain. He's totally engaged. He doesn't think of, you know, where he is on the spectrum of life. Mm. He is, he's living life fully. Yeah, there are times when he gets home being exhausted. The first thing he'll say is, oh, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And it's like, but you don't have to think about that. You yeah. keep doing it. And he does change some of his patterns to make it even easier to keep doing it. So, yeah. you know, for people, like you said, who are out there saying, I'm too old, I can't do it, I can't change. You're right, it's a mindset. If we keep saying no or I can't, it'll never happen. Yeah, I I, I got, you know, but there's, there's something that, I don't know how you feel about this, um, but there's something that annoys me a little bit sometimes when, um, people will say something like, well, you know, today is, it's all about social media and I don't know anything about that. And, you know, I can't, I can't do it. You know, social media, like anything else is just about knowledge and practice and doing it. You know, there's, there's no great mystery to this whole thing. You know, you've set up a podcast, you set up a YouTube channel, you've done all these things, but you know, it's simply because you've decided to learn how to do them. So I don't think there's really uh, any excuse for finding something that you like to do, even if um, everybody in the world is telling telling you, oh, but you don't know anything about social media or the internet. Well, learn, you know, it, it's only the same as what you've done throughout your life. Exactly. Is, is something and um, so don't be afraid of it, kind of embrace it and you know, if it's even if it's just one thing that you do, it's great yeah. because you know. It's I think if there's, yeah. if there's any advantage, I think of being of getting older. I don't know what you think, um, but if there's one advantage, it's is that I don't care what people think about me anymore. <laughs> right, that that is that is an advantage. You know, um, I met my husband 
um, in my early 30s. And when I met him, he said, we had been dating on and off. And he said, he had, he was in the photo industry. He said, I have a photo show this weekend. You know, would you like to meet me in Pittsburgh? And it was like, the only thing I knew about photography, you know, was snap and shoot. And he was in the darkroom industry. I had no idea what a darkroom was or anything else. Anyways, um, I went and uh, I was standing behind the table with him and he showed me this little piece of plastic with all these colors on it. And he said, I'm going to describe this to you. And if somebody comes up to the table, you know, you can show it to them. He said, this is called a subtract subtractive calculator and it's used in the dark room to identify colors. He gave me some more information. Next thing I know, somebody came up to the table. It's all I talked about for two days. He went into his dealer on Monday. He said, I need a thousand. He said, what do you mean you need a thousand? You've never ordered more than 10. He said, I don't know what you did this weekend. Everybody's calling for them. And I really, all I knew were the words at the time. Oh. But then it was like, okay, now take me into the dark room. Show me how this is used. Yeah. Um, if you would have told me that I had would have been interested, I would have said no. But when you get introduced to things, sometimes it's just like that spark that says, okay, teach me more. Over the last 30 years, the two of us have been doing wedding photography. I don't know. I don't just snap and shoot anymore. I yeah. frame a picture. But yeah. that's because I got interested. You showed me. And there are some people that say, like, you're climbing all around taking pictures. Yeah, I am. I can do it when I'm doing photography. When I'm cleaning the house, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, the motivation's there, isn't it? Right. Isn't it? It's, I, I love that because it's you know it, it's a it's amazing how much we might hold ourselves back sometimes, and you know we always expect to kind of be an expert in something before we before we do it, or you know and the you know as you all know the best way to learn is simply to do it. And, you know, if you can get over these sort of fears of, um, you know, not doing something perfectly or um, being laughed at or whatever, and just do it, then, you know, like, like you've experienced, you get that evidence of success back and you go, oh, Absolutely. who would have imagined it? But this I mean, is as happened. a child, I was always afraid somebody was going to make fun of me. Okay. Yeah. But again, you know, the words of my parents saying, why don't you do, why don't you laugh first? Oh, yeah, nice. It takes the power away from them. And yeah. really when I experience something new that I want to try, I will be the one, you know, I might even post on social media. Okay. You know, I tried changing the spark plugs in my car. I took them out. I have no idea how to put them back in and my car is not going to run. And it's like, okay. And then I start realizing, well, they've got to be put back in. So you better figure it out. And sometimes you have to call for help. And sometimes yeah. you're going to Google it. And sometimes you're just going to do it by process of elimination. Mm -hmm. And I love that, 
that I'm able to do that. And I'm hoping more people young and as they get older will continue to realize that making mistakes is what makes us smarter. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's a, a, somebody asked me on, a, on a, another interview what advice I would have uh, for younger people about retirement. And um, I was... I didn't have a ready answer for that, but the um, what I did talk about was um, how it seems that that younger people these days have a much greater sense of um, looking for work that's fulfilling and purposeful. And you know, I, I'm not sure that I ever had that at the same age. And I see, and I see young people, you know, will be very kind of clear on who they want to work for and who they don't want to work for absolutely um, and if that means you know uh, the opportunity to to earn less money or le or have less things quite often they're prepared for that um because they're very engaged in other important issues that they want to um that they want to be involved with and i right. i think that's wonderful and and i think in in terms of retirement, all I can think of is, is, you know, if you keep that sense of engagement and involvement throughout your career, then you'll probably continue that past this thing called retirement age. And, you know, you'll look back on your life, you know, thinking, yeah, I, I really stuck to what I wanted to do. And although like i was saying at the beginning we nearly always talk about finances and money and pensions and having enough money um maybe and that is important but maybe we can also think you know how do i stay fulfilled and engaged and purposeful throughout my working career and throughout my working life as well because i, I strongly believe that's what carries us through past this you know false kind of age of you know, 60, 65, you know, whatever it is. It's interesting how you describe that because um, our youngest son, um, very sports-minded, wanted to be working in sports, um, got a job with um, the, the Cleveland Guardians and worked for them, but he wasn't making enough to be on his own. And But you could see that he loved going to work, loved doing what he did, loved interacting with people. And we just said to him, you can live at home as long as you need to, because we saw fulfillment in him that my husband and I didn't get mm. until later in life. Yeah. And uh, a year ago, he moved to uh, Dallas, Texas, and he's working for another sport team. And he said, you know, I don't need all those things I thought I needed in life. Mm. I have a wonderful work culture. I love what I'm doing. I'm growing. And he said, and someday, maybe I'll still be there, but maybe I'll be somewhere else. But he knows what he needs to be fulfilled. Mm. And, you know, I thought growing up that to be fulfilled meant I had to get married and have a family and do all those traditional things. I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but I didn't think about myself 
for the first 50 years. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, that can be dangerous, but my parents were great role models. And so I said, okay, I may be 50, but now I'm going to start living. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. One of, one of the things I talk to my clients about um, uh, who are kind of, you know, reaching retirement or re retired is I, I talk about the three A's and the three A's for me are um, adapt, adjust and accept. So, you know, what is it that you might need to adapt in terms of your experience before what might need to adjust? Um, but I think the third one, accept what might you need to accept is the most probably the most important one, you know, because at that in this stage of life, maybe we need to accept certain things. You know, maybe we need to accept we didn't always, you know, make the right decisions or we didn't always have the career that we wanted or, you know, we now realize we could have been doing something different. And we can't change that always. Um, so we may need to accept that. And just decide, okay, but I've still got 20, 30 years. What have I learned that I now want to take full? Um, so, you know, it can be a great time of, of reflection um, for about, you know, what you want from the future, but also, you know, how you've got to where you are in the past as well. Well, it, it helps us look at each day as, you know, it's a, it really is a gift. And that's that's how I wake up every day. Yeah, I may have more aches and pains than I did when I was in my 20s. But, you know, they do go away once I start doing the things that make me feel good and give me that purpose. And we all have yeah. a purpose. And I think once we allow ourselves to find it, um, we can do just about anything that we want. I agree. It's, it's taken me this this long to start putting some music out on Spotify. So you know, I'm I'm writing music. I'm putting things out. And um, I've always wanted to do it. I you know I did it when I was younger. Then I stopped doing it for twenty years. And you know perhaps I stopped doing it because of you know I might have said it was time, but maybe it was fear. Maybe I didn't want to kind of put myself out there. Maybe I don't know what it is. But now, why not? Let's let's just do it. So I, I loved what you said about going back to communication. I think sometimes we do go back to, you know, what was it that we originally thought? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how can my listeners find you or if they want yeah. to connect with you? You know, maybe you're the coach that they're looking for. Sure. So um, I have a, a website which is uh, called senseofpurpose.co.uk. That's senseofpurpose.co.uk. Um, so there's plenty about me on that website. Um, I'm also uh, on LinkedIn. So I'm Ken Kelling on LinkedIn. That's an easy way to find me. And I kind of write articles and different posts um, on LinkedIn quite frequently. Um, or people can just email me. It's a very simple email address. It's ken at senseofpurpose.co.uk. And we'll put all of it in the show notes. So if you didn't catch it, just go back, read the show notes. It'll be there. Uh, show notes are both going to be in Zoom and on our audio links. And Ken, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Uh, you see it's cold in England. Do you have mm. snow? Uh, we've had a little bit of snow, but not as much as you by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, I have to tell our listeners where I am in Northeast Ohio, I don't have a lot of snow, but just about 20 miles north of us, um, they're not going anywhere today. They're they're snowed in. So um, mm. I loved everybody today. And remember, you're never too old to keep living. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ken. Have a great so day. Bye-bye now. Bye. -bye.